Hey there, everybody. I am Alan Doderline with the Depression and Bipolar Support Alliance, and I am just delighted to be with Renee Miller today. Renee is the 2017 recipient of the Depression and Bipolar Support Alliance's Life Unlimited Award. And this is award, uh, an award that we're so proud to do every year. We have so many folks who are part of our community, part of our DBSA family of over 4 million people who are touched by and participating in and contributing to the work that we do to help support educate and inspire people who have depression and bipolar disorder and show them that wellness is possible and people can and do achieve extraordinary things no matter where they are on their journeys with depression and bipolar disorder, that your life can be without limits. It can be everything you want it to be. And to recognize uh, one person uh, who exemplifies this in such a powerful way is one of the great pleasures that we have as an organization. And for me personally, as a person with uh, a diagnosis of major depressive disorder, um, it's just such a great feeling to be a peer of folks uh, like the extraordinary recipients of this recognition. So, uh, Renee, Thank you, and uh, congratulations on being our our 2017 Life Unlimited Award winner. Thank you so much, Alan. Wow, I'm I'm so honored. I'm sitting here just grinning from ear to ear. Um, it's such an honor, and it's such a delight. So thank you. Well, I I have had the pleasure of learning about you, talking with you a bit, and, and reading some of the things that people have shared about you. And something that uh, struck me as I was reading it uh, mm-hmm. about your life, her presence is so huge and so bright, you need to know this person. And I'm so glad that I get to know you, and now our listeners can get to know you a bit. Oh. So so often I feel like we... Uh, we tend to look back, and, and naturally, when we're sharing some of our story, you know, that, that, that's sharing things that we've been through that get us to where we are now. But I'd love to start with where you are now. Uh, tell okay. us about, tell us about you. Tell us what, um, you know, what you're about, what your life is like. Um, just, just okay. share, um, just share who is Renee Miller. Let, why don't we start there? Who is Renee? Okay. I love that. Um, uh, Like yourself, I'm also living with a diagnosis of major depressive disorder, as well as anxiety disorder and addiction. And I received my diagnosis back in 2008. So, you know, it's, wow, it's almost been about 10 years. So it's, you know, it's been quite a journey. Um, And congratulations. Okay. Congratulations for much. that journey. Um, that is, you know, a, a day is hard one, so 10 years, that's extraordinary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, knock on wood. <laughs> so, you, you know, it's who I am now is because of that journey. You know, during, during this nine, almost 10 years, um, you know, I've, I'm, I'm a stone sculptor. I've been able to get my pieces into art shows and galleries. Um, there's a 
there's a wonderful woman on the on the west coast who is collecting my pieces um that didn't start until recovery um the other thing that is a huge part of my life is music i love playing music i love creating music listening to music um this creative expression that that i enjoy now is it it came about from this journey so um it's just been amazing, you know, to sit in this place and look back on that. The other thing that came about because of this journey is the work that I do. Um, I'm a peer support specialist and advocate. And, you know, of course, people who do that for a living do it because of, you know, the struggles from their past and and the, the journey toward present wellness. Absolutely. And, and I, I was so excited, uh, you know, that, that's why I had to just jump in with a question. I, I, you know, yeah. we at DBSA, we're, we're all about wellness. We're all about raising the bar, raising the expectations for people who have mood mm-hmm. disorders and, and saying, you know, it's not about being better. It's not about being stable. Uh, stables are for horses, as, as uh, uh, my, my <laughs> I have a dear friend from DBSA Boston uh, who, who says that. Um, I, I'm, I'm stealing that from him. But, um, you know, it's about being, it. well, it, it's about being a person. It's about being Renee. It's about being Alan. It, it's about being uh, who we want to and, and who we deserve to be. And mm-hmm. yet, you know, and and I, I hope that that message of thriving and and uh, living a life unlimited resonates with a lot of people, and it certainly seems to. But then we also have folks who uh, feel like when we put this out there, like they're almost failing, like they, um, you know, it, it's a it's a bar too high for them to reach, and. Even I, you know, I I have since I've worked at DBSA and since I've been really very, very committed to this message of, of wellness and, and thriving as the destination, you know, as I've experienced uh, episodes of, of depression, I'll, I'll feel that same way, like, oh, gosh, is that really possible? It, am I just, you know, but failing because I can't get there. And I love how you put this this uh, idea that you wouldn't be the Renee you are now. You wouldn't have access to mm-hmm. certainly the employment and advocacy you have, but also the, the art, the music, that yeah. these things wouldn't be quite the same. Tell me a bit more about that. You know, what what are maybe some of the things that you learned or, or that got you to this point that you deem as special and powerful? How did the journey affect the Renee I am so fortunate to talk to now? Oh, I love that question, Alan. Um, you know, I, I think a big part of it is when we get well and, and when we find that recovery and when we get to, when we get to those moments where we're really getting a glimpse of our full potential and who we could be, I think so often it it scares us. It scares us and we back away from it. And so for me, part of of what I've learned and, and what I practice is, you know, going ahead and just leaning into that fear, you know, because, you know, and 
you know, you know this. When you are living with anxiety disorder, you know, any time you kind of bump up against, you know, where where your comfort zone and your growth zone meet, you know, we we tend to back away. Like, that doesn't feel right. That doesn't feel good. I, I, I don't want that. And And so for me, being able, instead of backing away, being able to step into it and tolerate it, you know, and and sit with that in, until I'm comfortable, and then I take another step. And and so, I I, I always tell people, you know, you're you're gonna want to run away, you're you're gonna want to back away, and and say, forget it, this this isn't for me, this is this isn't this isn't who I am, this isn't who I can become. And so what I tell people is, just. Just lean into it a little bit. You'd be surprised. Oh, it's great. And and what a gift. I, I know for me, I'm grateful of the way you put that. You put it so well. And I've never thought of that that leaning into it in exactly this way, you know. I, I've certainly, you know, leaning in has become a concept in our world and, and uh, you know, something that we talk about. And, and even letting yourself feel, especially in anxiety, you said that, and I think that's true, that, that sometimes letting yourself feel the actual feelings, letting yourself be anxious and not try to censor it or, or um, yes. you know. Just, or or you know, meditate it. Yes, 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 yes. And so that's so wonderful. But also, you know, leading into the idea of here's a challenge and I have evidence mm-hmm. that I can and do meet challenges. I do rise to the occasion. I do have the strength. Um, here's another question that occurs to me because you talked about 10 years and mm-hmm. that's so, you know, that feels so amazing to hear, and especially for those of us who it might be, oh, I felt great for 10 days, you know, or, <laughs> you know, right. whatever right. it might or, be. Or 10 but, Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And and do uh, again. You kind of said you're questioning it or you doubt it or you're mm-hmm. running away from it. So when you say ten years, you say ten years that you've been in the space of recovery and wellness and limitlessness. Mm-hmm. Has every moment been perfect? Have you been totally free of any? symptoms, issues, conflict, you know, whatever we want to call them because people have feelings about the way we term them. Yes. But but this has been 10 years of all perfection all the time, Renee. Oh, absolutely not, Ellen. Absolutely <laughs> not. Oh, my goodness. No, and I think it would be it would be unrealistic for us to think that, you know, if, if and and I and I see this. I work with people who receive their diagnosis. I'm with them on day one, and you know, there's that there's that expectation that you know, oh, I'm I'm going to feel good after I get my meds right. I'm I'm going to feel good after I I talk to someone. I'm going to feel good after you know this or that, and and then it's just going to be PT. But that's not how it is, and you know. It, it's work. It, it's work, and, and it's it's dotted by these moments of just amazingness. You know, where you get to you get to coast a little bit, and you get to kind of enjoy um, the successes that you're having, and 
those days when you're feeling absolutely amazing. But then comes the work. You know, maybe, you know, something has happened outside of me that's that's impacting and, and really triggering for me. That's the work. You know, but but we we get through that and we come out the other side and we get to you know, we get to enjoy our bliss and we get to, you know, in, enjoy life and feel good. But the work and is always it, there. Oh, the work is always there and, and uh you put things so beautifully and I'm again I, oh, I just feel this you. sense of I feel this sense of gratitude for getting to hear them in the way you put them and, and in terms of the um in terms of the work so mm-hmm. there are all kinds of things that people do to achieve and maintain, uh, you know, wellness. And, and then we hear very often that part of recovery is planning for setbacks and, and issues and, and relapses, oh, you know, if, if people yeah. put it that way. And so yeah. maybe speaking sort of about the, the work in a personal context, in a wellness context, mm-hmm. in a health context, what are some of the things – um, whether they're things like you mentioned, um, music, art, but, but even, you know, you can go any direction you want. Uh, what are some of the yeah. things that are really important to you for your health, for your wellness, for your well-being? Um, you know, what, what things do you work on mm-hmm. and use as tools for that work? Um, tell us about oh, that. I love that. I love how you put that, too, because I call it a wellness toolbox. Um, you know, for me, medications have helped me. Um, you know, ha- has it always been perfect? No, especially in the beginning. Um, and I told people, you, you know, you have to give it a chance. You, you may not feel all that great at first, um, but, but give it a chance. And, but, and still, medication is, is one of my, my favorite tools. Um, that, kind of gets the symptoms out of my way so that I can begin to explore who I am and, you know, why am I here? What's my meaning? What's my purpose? One of my absolute other favorite tools is meditation. And and meditation um, was an early gift in my recovery. I had a wellness teacher. I was fortunate enough and and continue to have a community mental health center that offered free wellness classes. And you didn't even have to be a client to the center. It was for anyone in the community. And so one of one of the first things that I did after I got my diagnosis was the medications, the talk therapy, group therapy, and these wellness classes. And I had this amazing teacher, um, and he introduced me to meditation. And it just resonated with me. And it's been a tool, you know, I, I explore different kinds of meditation. Sometimes, uh, sound assisted meditation is nice. Sometimes just sitting and focusing on the breath is nice. Um, but that practice has grown to the point now where I meditate for 90 minutes a day. And it's just bliss. You know, it, it, it's better than, than any drug that I, I ever self-medicated with. Another thing I'd like to mention is RAP. And I'm sure you know about Wellness Recovery Action Plan. 
Absolutely. What a what an important thing for so many people's toolboxes. Uh, love yeah. Ralph. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I took my, my first RAP class really early um, in my recovery while I was still in therapy. And, um, you know, it, it just, it resonated with me. It felt like, it felt like I was writing uh, like an owner's manual for myself. You know, you, you like have an owner's oh, yeah. manual for your car, right? <laughs> but, so RAP, um, it helped me identify other things from my wellness toolbox. It helped remind me of what I'm like when I'm well and what I'm like when I'm starting to go, you know, toward when things are breaking down or, um, you know, crisis. So RAP has been such an important part of my life and I'm so fortunate that, you know, part of what I have under my professional tool belt now is I'm a certified RAP facilitator. So now I teach other people rap, and I get to share the story about how rap impacted my wellness. Oh, great. And, you know, why don't we go to that story? So okay. I, was struck by, I was struck by the idea that, you know, when you are occurring for someone that you're in a support group with, that you're in mm-hmm. a, um, you know, that you're a RAP facilitator for, when, when we who are in a place, in a moment of wellness, whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, one year or ten, when, when we're there with someone and they're at the affect of illness, Maybe, mm-hmm. as you said, they're on the first day of the diagnosis when you sometimes yes. encounter people. Um, they don't know what you've been through. What what are some of the pieces of your story that that you share and that you use and that you might like to share with with our listeners right now? Uh, you yeah. know what what. what was that, you know, we've talked about the after, and I always like to look forward, and I like to talk about now, and I think that that's the mm-hmm. way, um, that's the way that, that wellness happens is when we start looking at now. Um, but, uh, but we also have a place we've been, and, and you said the place that you've been informs and has created, um, who, who you are now and what you do now. Tell us about your life. Tell us about before the moment you knew that there might be some, uh, you know, some name for what you had, some need mm-hmm. for treatment, what have you. What, what was going on in your life today? Oh, wow. That's, that's such a great question. You know, I, there, there are moments of my story that I probably share more than others because they're just so relatable. You know, like, like many of us, I started using drugs and alcohol when I was a teenager. I just didn't. I didn't have I didn't have that toolkit. I didn't even know about a toolkit. Um, I didn't know how to cope. And so, when you're 14 and you're you know you're you're rocketing toward adulthood, you know coping is one of those things that yeah you're kind of supposed to learn how to deal with your stuff. Um, you know you're about to be an adult. Um, that wasn't me. I was. Uh, you know, looking back, I've probably had major depressive disorder all of my life, anxiety disorder for sure, you know, and then, you know, 14-year-old Renee just had some fears that were coping that way, and so so that's what I did. 
you know, and, and things got messy. Things got messy, and um, I found sobriety for the first time in my early 20s and, you know, found talk therapy for the first time. And, I, you know, I went to meetings, and, you know, I, I, I did then what I thought was the work, and I had a long period of sobriety through adulthood. Wow. It really wasn't, yeah, yeah. I did then what I thought was the work. My mind is blown officially because that, oh, boy, does that resonate with me because mm-hmm. even, you know, um, even with everything I know and that I'm lucky to know because I work where I do and I get to talk to people mm-hmm. like you, Renee, um, I have had moments where I look back and I say, oh, that's what I thought was the work. And mm-hmm. both because both because my assessment was incomplete and also because I'm a totally different person now, the work has changed. Yes. I think that's a really yes. important distinction. Um, that's, yes, that's amazing. And so, so twist, twist, the journey, yes. you know, had begun <laughs> and then there was a new journey that was challenging. So, so continue, yes. tell us, you know, some yes. 12 years, what's going on now? Well, so, you know, I, I was enjoying, uh, sobriety. I won't say recovery because that's that's not what it was. Um, I might have called it that back then, but that that was just abstinence. And um, you know, I'm out there doing my thing. You know, got a job I love, making good money. I, I'm in a committed, loving relationship, and I just bought a house. Well. Depression came a knocking, and I had a lot of trouble getting out of bed. You know, I I didn't know what to call it, and I found myself just kind of numbing out. And um, but right before this, I had injured my back and was being prescribed the Cadillac of all opioids. I mean. I had a prescriber that was giving me sentinel patches and actique suckers and, you know, these are things, what I know now is these are things that should have only been given to people who are maybe, you know, in in some kind of terminal painful illness and not for someone who has a disc injury. Um, but, you know, depression started coming up and you know of course I I had my drugs and I self-medicated and I didn't get out of bed um I didn't I didn't talk to people I took too many sick days and I was fired from my job and because of that my house went into foreclosure and the relationship that I had been enjoying at that point it was 15 years um we both started to fall apart um, you know, she was dealing with the symptoms of her Ill- illness and, you know, I with mine. So it was wow. this big storm just kind of came and crushed me. 
Wow. That, thank you. I mean, that's a lot to share. And I know you share it with, with, uh, you know, an open heart and with no shame as you, as, as you should have no shame. These are the things that happen. And, and I, I really think that, that, that story, you know, we're, we're talking a lot about, um, you know, what's, what's often called the opioid crisis. And I do, uh, think that we have every evidence that, that it's a crisis because your story is not, you know, an isolated incident. I think right. that, um, you know, and I think you also make a distinction that it's not in and of itself bad to be, you know, prescribe this particular medication, but there's a difference between uh, a disc issue and, yes. you know, uh, chronic, uh, um, you know, severe, uh, pain that, that is, you know, um, you know, the most severe you will ever face. And yeah. then also think of your history. I mean, it's not like mm-hmm. you're, you don't have any issues with addiction in your past. It's not like exactly. you're not. Um, did anybody ever ask you about that when I, I'm just curious because I don't know. And, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, for whatever reason, I've never, um, had that, uh, p- particular prescription, you know, I've, I've never been mm-hmm. given a, an opioid. Um, uh, I don't think, <laughs> and so I, I think, well, you know, like, like maybe, maybe it's part of having your wisdom teeth out or something. It, it probably is, but whatever, I, I, I don't have the experience. And so what I wonder is, did, did your doctor, and I'm also not even, I, I don't want to demonize um, doctors here or, or any oh, of the players. No, no, no. I think it's, it's right. a perfect storm. But what I do want to ask is, did, did any of the doctors ask about your history as, as we're prescribing a, a potentially addictive substance? And, and there was some evidence that it wasn't addictive, so I don't think it was malicious. Mm-hmm. But did anybody ask, mm-hmm. hey, do you have any issues with addiction? Like, did that come up? You know, I'm sure it did, and I'm also oh, sure you think that so? I probably okay. minimized it. I probably oh, minimized okay. It. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do we – because it's been 12 years. Of course, no, I don't have a problem, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's behind me. What's to talk yeah. about? Yeah. Yes. So you you go from this place of, you know, the way you described it sounded awesome. I'm like, oh, my gosh, house and, and you know, mm-hmm. loving relationship and job and mm-hmm. money and – it's all there. It's all there. And, mm-hmm. and yet it turned out it was sobriety. It was abstinence. It wasn't recovery. And you had some right. gems there. I swear you're like bumper sticker, uh, meme <laughs> woman. Like uh, you say these things so well, so relatably. Um, no, but I, I, so, so now this sounds like, so we heard what sounded like the best of the best. And now mm-hmm. I'm hearing what sounds like the worst of the worst. So what happens? Yes. What happens at that yes. moment? What happens at that moment is, um, you know, I went into uh, I, w- I went into avoidance mode. You know, the it, depression it, it's it's like quicksand. You know, it mm-hmm. keeps you keeps you from moving forward and doing the things that you need to do, like. You know, fighting for the, the, so that your house isn't lost in foreclosure, fighting for that relationship, um, going out and, you know, getting the resumes out, you know, getting, getting your next perfect job. It's a quicksand. 
And then you put the anxiety on top of that, and the anxiety just keeps pushing your head down into the sand and saying, "No, no, something bad, and something bad is going to happen. You don't, you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that." And and so, I just watched my world fall apart, and um, it got to the point where I just didn't want to be around anymore. I was ready to go, and. I had enough opioids in my possession and 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 benzos as well. You know, I I was just ready to leave the earth. It it was just that painful. And what happened? Did did you you know, you're obviously thinking about suicide, you're thinking about yeah. ending your life. Did you attempt? Did you uh, attempt, whether through overdose or otherwise? Yes, overdose. Oh, my. Wow. Um, so much apathy. You know, I I was afraid to, you know, kind of go ahead and, and just do it. But uh, passively, I was doing it. I was overdosing. Passively. I was landing in the emergency room. I had doctors telling me, you know, at, at one point, I went to the ER for really severe abdominal cramps, and it turned out that my body was shutting down, and nothing was moving through my digestive system. Oh, God. And, I mean, even hearing that, just like not caring, like I am not valuable enough to even pull myself out of this. And so, you know, I I don't remember I don't remember how it happened, but I ended up at a community mental health center, the same one that I go to now. And I was assigned this amazing therapist. And it was just the right fit, you know, the right connection. And we began to talk. And she just you know, she never, she never gave up. She could see what my potential was. She could see what I was supposed to become. And and so, you know, we met once a week for individual therapy. Eventually, went into group therapy. And you know, I I have and can or I had and continue to have an amazing psychiatrist. And one of the things that he did for me is, you know, going back to the wellness toolbox, is Suboxone. Mm. You know, without without medication-assisted recovery, I would not be here. Wow. I'm sure of it. Wow. I, I wonder what th- there may be, and um, I, I hope there are. I, I don't hope that there are people that are in the same position that you were in. I know there are, but I, I wish <laughs> mm-hmm. that there were no people in that position. But yes. knowing that there are, I hope that as many of them as possible are hearing this. And you had some, you had some angels. Um, yes. I I think that whether it's the depressed uh, or or addicted mind, or if it's just the the fact of the place and time and luck, not everyone has these angels. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I spiritually, I sometimes 
you know, think of that differently that we all do and what have you. But, but that, you know, practically speaking, to to get the right fit with the doctor, to get the, you know, those things can be, uh, very challenging. And if you're hearing this right now and you feel like that's never going to be me, what would you say to that person? Because I'm sure you encounter them in your work that, um, we'll talk about in more detail. So what do you, what do you say? What, what can you offer? You know, besides the support and, and love that, that you have just, you know, pouring through you, we can all tell. But, but what do you say to that person? Well, when they, you know, you say the word, that's not me, I would mm. say, it is you. It is definitely you. You know, it, we, are, we are all walking miracles. You know, just the fact that, you know, we were created, we were born, we exist. Is something, it's something so special. And, you know, so, so what I would, what I would tell that person is, you are special. There's no one else like you. And you come, you came with a gift. Now let's figure out what that gift is. Well, I, I just so appreciate this and I think of people in your community and also people that you encounter in your workplace mm-hmm. who are so fortunate to have someone with your talents and with your ability to contribute. And I wonder if you might tell us a bit about where you work and what you do because you're really in a position now where you can you can help people create their toolboxes and, and that's what yeah. someone changed your life, um, you know, was part of changing your life, was part of um, helping you change your life, I should say, mm-hmm. um, by mm-hmm. doing that. Tell us about, tell us about how you help people with that now. Yeah, so, you know, back when I was in, in group therapy with this amazing therapist, I was fortunate enough to have a peer specialist. And she was just this amazing um, role model who showed me that, you know, wellness and recovery are absolutely real. And not only real, but, like, you can live your best life. You know, here's this person who is just a a joy to be around and a joy to talk to. And I wanted what she had. You know, I I remember sitting there and I was going through a med change, and I just felt horrible. And I remember looking at this person and thinking, I want what you have so badly. Um, and, you know, she she helped me get that for myself. So now the work that I do, um, I am a forensic peer support specialist and advocate in a jail-based treatment program called RISE. And RISE stands for Restoring Individuals Safely and Effectively. Um, We are located in the Arapahoe County Jail, which is just outside of Denver, Um, so the Denver metro region. And basically what I do is I I provide the same kind of peer support that was given to me. Um, We are a 52-bed men-only unit, so I, I... I, I get to work with these incredible individuals, and I just call them my guys. Um, but, you know, part of being a, a peer specialist and a, an advocate is, you know, helping, pe- helping people see that, you know, you can do this. And, and being able to share 
my story and being able to say, I've been where you've been. I, you know, and, and that's another thing I want to touch on. I mean, there are many things that people can struggle with, especially in, you know, something like a competency restoration program. It's important to remember that we all struggle at one time or another. And that's how I connect with my guys. You know, just being able to say, I know what it's like to struggle. I've been there. I, I may not feel exactly how you feel right now, but I know what it's like to be in pain. And I know what it's like to have someone come into your life and say, don't give up. You know, don't give up. There is hope. And not only that, you're going to feel pretty good. Ah, wow. Wow. That's, that's extraordinary. And, and again, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm feeling very grateful to just be with you right now. And I can't imagine that any of our listeners are feeling anything but that, Renee. And, and I think that that. Thank you. That, well, truly, truly. And, and the idea that you're with your guys. I want to be one of your guys. Um, uh, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, well, okay, cool. Well, then settled. It's settled. It's settled. Maybe not in rise, though. Well, sure, sure, and exactly, and and I'm not making light of that at all. I mean, that's. But think of think of the power of that. Think of the power of being a person who will say to someone who is. You know, literally, your life is limited. If, if you're if mm-hmm. you're incarcerated, if you're in the system, as we say, you're, there's a limit right now. Sure, there is, and right. yet right. you're saying this this doesn't have to be forever. And I know firsthand that things that seem final, you know, mm-hmm. foreclosure of the home, uh, justice involvement, frequent, mm-hmm. you know. ER and hospital visits, overdoses, mm-hmm. suicidality. These are, I mean, there's not much, there's not much worse stuff a person can face, and yet you're you're still here, you're standing, you're vibrant, yeah. and and what I often say, and and what I've loved talking with you and hearing kind of all of this is my my belief for DBSA and my belief as an advocate is that I want to open the door to being who you want to be and that should be as much or as little about your mental health condition as you want it to be and is right for you. Absolutely. So if Absolutely. you never say to a soul that you experience, you know, bipolar disorder or or mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, whatever the name, depression, et cetera, might be, um, and you are about whatever it is, you're about your music, you're about your your art, you're about your sports, you're about your kids, you're about whatever, that's all great. And then if you're a person who is an advocate and who is working in a, a position like a peer specialist or or any kind of uh, more active, you know, open and, and saying it all the time way, well, that's great too. And and that choice mm-hmm. is is something that that you know you don't have that choice when you're sick. You're always going to be about right. sickness, and right. and to give people the opportunity to be. Um, you know, about whatever is right for them. It's so important, mm-hmm. and it's literally what you're doing. I, I wonder if we could close with this, Renee. I wonder if you might share what specifically 
as you hear this idea of life unlimited, you're, you're the person we're recognizing at the Depression and Bipolar Support Alliance as representing a life unlimited. And what does that mean to you? And, and what would you want people to know about that concept of a life unlimited fr- from your vantage point? You know, I'm being recognized for having a life unlimited and I'm, you know, I'm so very grateful. I want everyone who's hearing this to know and to um, embrace the fact that each and every one of us has a life unlimited. You know, it's it's there. It's there. And you know, I know, I know. Some sometimes it's easy to just you know, stay in bed and just kind of blow off the day and and put it off till tomorrow. It's, you know, the time is now. Do it today. Do one thing today that's going to move you toward the life that you want. And I promise you, you, amazing things will happen. Miracles will happen. You you just got to, you got to take that step, even though it scares the hell out of you. Take that step. Wow, and and it's and it's worth it. And and I'm so glad that you took yes. that step. Uh, it's it's amazing how we look at now. You know, if I knew nothing of your of your original story, Renee, I would be you know in the presence of someone who was awesome. Um, you know, and and well, who had you. all these things. Well, of course, and I would have been in the presence of someone awesome had I met you at the moment that. Um, you know, you were in the hospital and, and struggling. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, you I want you to know. I would have not, yeah. Exactly, exactly. We can yeah. know it together now, and that's the key. Yeah. And and uh, and yet, as we look at sort of, oh, okay, you've got all these accomplishments, and you're speaking at conferences, and you're on the governor's task force, and you're, I mean, you're this super impressive person, and, and you know, all of that, and and yet there's all of this behind it and back there and and that all begins with that all begins with that step that all begins yeah. with yeah. with that moment and uh, i just can't thank you enough for spending these moments with all of us uh, we're so proud and honored and and thrilled to have you as a member of the depression and bipolar support alliance community we're so glad to recognize you as the dbsa 2017 life unlimited uh award winner uh that is uh just such an important idea and you embody it with with who you are and what you do and uh on behalf of the entire dbsa family i thank you renee oh thank you so much alan and you know i just want to say dbsa if you don't know about it, look it up. It's it's amazing. You're going to meet amazing people, and it's going to change your life. So thank you. Oh. <laughs> well, this has been so fun, uh, and, and thank you to all of our listeners uh, for uh, hearing this podcast and for your interest in DBSA. And, and please do check us out on uh, Facebook, Twitter, et cetera, and uh, website dbsalliance.org. Thanks, everybody.